Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. In. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It's Friday, but we keep our foot on the gas pedal here. Because Fridays are important. The Democrats have rammed through a massive spending bill that has very little to do with the coronavirus. Another quarter of a trillion dollars to the teachers' unions in these school districts, which haven't spent upwards of $70 billion that they already have. This $1.9 trillion bill is on top of $1 trillion that has not been spent yet. That has not been spent yet. That's $2.9 trillion printed out of thin air. The vast majority of the money And the policies that have been laced throughout this massive bill. The vast majority of the money is intended to help Democrats. Elected Democrats in our cities. Elected blue state Democrat governors. Their pre-coronavirus budgets. It is there to help them with their public transportation. Which is of course uh, not being used that much. Because well we're not supposed to. We're propping up teacher unions. Well, in so many parts of the country, teachers are not going back to work. And in fact, in our major cities, they are blackmailing these school districts. We even have lawsuits being brought in Chicago and San Francisco by the mayors against the school boards. At the same time, Biden has destroyed thousands of important jobs. He has shut down a pipeline that delivers crude oil from Canada to the United States, or was to, they're now talking about 
shutting down all pipelines. You talk about throwbacks. You talk about undoing progress, undermining modernity. These people are true throwbacks. Progressives, I've called them regressives for years because that's exactly what they are. The whole pipeline technology was a genius invention by John D. Rockefeller. So they wouldn't have to use trains. Now look at this. It's not hard to destroy. You can sit there and just keep signing executive orders and executive orders. Now we have, what was it, Mr. Producer? 6.3%, I thought, unemployment. Maybe it's 6.7%. We've had 6.7% unemployment many times in the history of this country, particularly in the last half century. That didn't require trillions and trillions of dollars of deficit and debt. They are ignoring the science. They are ignoring the facts when the Congressional Budget Office, which is part of the Democrat-controlled Congress, is saying we are going to have a recovery by mid-2021. Lawrence Summers, a liberal who was an economist, for Clinton and, in, and uh, Obama, he said this kind of massive spending is going to result in the kind of inflation we haven't had in a generation. Nobody's thinking about inflation. Zero percent interest rates. Not for us, but for those who trade in such things. But very, very low interest rates. Massive deficit spending. This was unnecessary. On top of all the other spending as a result of the pandemic. This was unnecessary. And so last night it was 50-50, 50-50, the Democrats versus the Republicans. And Kamala Harris is sitting in the chair. And they vote 51 to 50 for this $1.9 trillion bill. $1.9 trillion on top of $1 trillion that hasn't been spent yet. All this money is going to flood into the economy at some point. And by the way, not going to create productive jobs. It's going to bureaucrats. It's going to politicians. It's going to, uh, to buck up these cities and these states and so forth. So they're taking money out of the system to reward themselves. This isn't about the pandemic. This isn't about helping Americans get jobs. This isn't about helping small businesses. This is a massive wealth transfer to the Democrat Party, to Democrat constituent groups, to Democrat politicians in the cities, to Democrat politicians who are governors. A massive transfer of wealth. That, in part, is why 50 Republicans probably woke up and and voted against it. And they bastardized it, the Reconciliation Act, which in plain English means the House and the Senate are two separate bodies. They have two separate budget systems. Once their committees are done, they come together in a single committee of the House and the Senate, Republicans and Democrats. They try and work out their differences. Once they do, they present a bill to both bodies, and the filibuster doesn't apply so they can fund the government. It had nothing to do with what they just did. Everything I just told you never happened. 
They just went with a $1.9 trillion bill written by Bernie Sanders and rammed it through 51 to 50. 51 to 50. No filibuster because they abused the reconciliation process. So much for moderate Manchin. So much for moderate what's-her-name in Arizona. They went with them every step of the way. And then Biden says, we have people out there hurting. They can't wait any longer. Biden's been president for what, 16, 17 days? Can't wait any longer? The guy signed about 50 executive orders and actions. He has violated the Constitution over and over and over again. He is a radical. He's the most extremist president we have ever had, ever I don't care if he's doing it, if he's being manipulated. It's irrelevant. It can't happen without his signature. This man is a Trojan horse. He's been a Trojan horse. Through which the left can push their agenda. He was the Manchurian candidate. Pretending he was a moderate while they were trashing Trump left and right. I blame the media. I blame the never Trumpers. I blame the Republican establishment for the way they have conducted themselves. He's using executive orders and regulations, and now Schumer and Pelosi are on the loose. They have tiny majority in the House, 10 votes. They have no majority in the Senate. They have to rely on the vice president's vote. And they're giving you an example. In two and a half weeks' time of what they intend to do, And they're daring anybody to try and stop them. What they want you to believe is if this economy recovers, as the CBO says, it's because the Democrats were spending like drunken Marxists. Have you noticed the reporting on the vaccine, Mr. Producer? All of a sudden, we're back on track. Did you see that? 48 hours ago, we don't know where the vaccines are. We don't know where they are. We don't have a distribution system. They didn't leave us with a plan. 48 hours later, we're going to be able to have 1.3 million vaccinations today. Very soon, everything's going as scheduled. Everything's going great. In 48 hours? In 48 hours? No. It's because I went on national TV, and I went behind this national microphone, and I said, he's a screw-up. He's doing the same thing he did with the vaccine 20 years ago. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. His administration doesn't know what the hell they're doing. They can talk about Trump all they want. We have vaccines because of Trump, because of his administration. And we were going to have a million vaccines given out each day. Now it's 1.3. How did that happen? Because there was never a screw up by Trump. All the plans were in place. They had all been developed. There were more vaccines coming off the assembly line from Moderna and Pfizer. Now Johnson & Johnson wants in. There was never a screw-up. They're the screw-ups. They're destroying our school system. They're pushing our children behind. God knows what they're doing to the next generation. Biden won't stand up to his unions because his unions own him. Lock, stock, and barrel. He's destroyed women's sports. 
in our public schools and universities and colleges just keeps signing away, destroys the XL, Keystone XL pipeline. Since when does a president have that kind of power? Throws tens of thousands of people out of work while opening the borders? Maybe you ought to show a little bit of compassion to hardworking men and women in this country. And the media sit there and they lie, and they're still attacking President Trump. It's the damnedest thing. And this show trial, this kangaroo court, that the Senate has no constitutional authority, no jurisdiction to hold next week, is all intended to divert you from what Biden is doing to you, what the Democrats are doing to you, all intended to try and destroy the reputation of Donald Trump. All political at our expense on our dollar. And they wanted to get this thing through before next week. So you couldn't get up and say, look at this. They can't even pass a relief bill while they're running this kangaroo court in the Senate. Everything they do is diabolical and cynical. Every damn thing they do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Great site, the National Pulse. Our friend Raheem Kassam is the head muckety-muck there. We all woke up this morning to a remarkable piece in Time magazine where a cabal on the, a cabal on the far left and the corporatist uh, uh, entities in this country admit that they all conspired to change election laws, to put pressure on big tech, to undertake all kinds of actions to try and take out Donald Trump. Rahim, you, uh, you did an outstanding job of summarizing this, my friend. I'd like you to walk through it, if you would. And thank you for having me, Mark. I'm, I'm a, a huge, huge fan of your work, and it's just an honor every time you have uh, a National Pulse article featured. Look, we, we reported on a lot of the detail that Time magazine got into in their article last August. And actually, we were called... Uh, you know, wild-eyed conspiracy theorists for it. But what Time magazine is admitting to here, and even laying out the detail and the pattern of behavior of here, is what they call a conspiracy, what they call a cabal, and what they call, uh, as you say, muckety-mucks, but muckety-mucks at the AFL-CIO, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, people who featured in the Obama State Department, the Obama White House, all of these people coming together 
And they say, in, in Time magazine's own words, to change the flow of information, to stop people getting the right information or accurate information, and even to change the rules and the laws of the election of November the 3rd. And, you know, I think the, the entirety of the audience uh, will be you know, very uh, relieved to hear that all of these things we have thought about for so long and been called you know, nutcases for believing are actually now being underscored and, and, and undergirded uh, by Time magazine's own reporting. The question is now, who's going to bother? Uh, and, and I know you have as many frustrations with the Republican establishment as I do. Who's going to bother investigating this now that the mainstream media has admitted to what happened in the run up to November the 3rd? Now, instead, we get these uh, some of these reprobates who are going to participate in a rogue unconstitutional Senate trial of an individual who's a private citizen. And here we have laid out step by step by step. Yes, they went into these states and these changed these election laws. Something we have been saying, something I've been hammering on over and over and over again. They knew they did it. We knew they did it. Zuckerberg's initiative, hundreds of millions of dollars went in in order to affect election outcomes. You wrote about it. We talked about it. It's a fact. It's in this piece. They're now bragging about it, aren't they? They are bragging about it. And that's what the really interesting thing is. And, and if you get to the end of this 6,500-word article, they actually, the, the author actually kind of gives away why this article is being written. She talks about the fact that multiple people are now trying to, trying to claim credit and that that's where this came from when she started to flesh this whole thing out in late November and early December. And only, obviously, now it's being published in next week, I think, uh, Time magazine in, in print. But she talks about the claiming of credit. She talks about the people utilizing the Black Lives Matter protest, how all of these activist groups are actually in the hands of a very, very small number of people. They control them. They tell them when to activate. And crucially, as the article states, they tell them when to stand down. And that's the order they got on November the 4th is, hey, stand down. We've got this. Now, across the article, Molly Ball will tell you that this wasn't about defeating Donald Trump, that this was actually about securing the election. But if you go 75% into the article, you get about 4,000, 4,500 words in, and she starts talking about the victory. And that's the giveaway. This was never about a secure election. This was about stealing an election. More on this. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. Now you know why big media, big tech, uh, the so-called Chamber of Commerce, these left-wing radical Democrat groups, both the rioters, the AFL-CEO and others, probably the never-Trumpers too, we're all working against, against this president and all working against us. We'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. 
Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. Well, I resigned from Facebook and Twitter. Parlor should be up next week, and we'll be linking to many of uh, the National Pulse uh, articles. Raheem Kassam and the gang there do a fantastic job. We're talking about this Time Magazine piece, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy, well-funded cabal, powerful people, changing laws, steering media, and controlling information. Now, in this article, it says uh, the handshake was between business and labor, one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election, extraordinary shadow effort. As you point out, it wasn't protect the election. It's really to uh, win the election by hook or by crook. It also says here they admit an assortment of foundations contributed tens of millions in election administration funding. The Chan Zuckerberg Initiative chipped in $300 million. You've written about this. You've talked about this. But here's the killer right here. The racial justice uprising sparked by George Floyd's killing in May, this is from Time, as, as noted in your piece, was not primarily a political movement. The organizers who helped lead it wanted to harness its momentum for the election without allowing it to be co-opted by politicians. Many of those organizers were part of Potholzer's network, that's the AFL-CIO guy, from the activists in battleground states who partnered with the Democracy Defense Coalition to organizations with leading roles in the movement for black lives. In other words, these rioters, these... uh, these, these Marxist organizations were working with the Democrats and the uh, never-Trumpers, correct? Sometimes, Mark, you can do all the digging in the world, but the best thing that can happen is that your opponents get ahead of their skis, get too big for their boots, feel like they need to brag, take credit, and that's exactly what's happened here. And all of those things you just read out, are very clearly the consequence of somebody getting on the phone with Molly Ball, with Time magazine, and attempting to claim credit and saying the quiet part out loud. The quiet part of this was always supposed to be that Black Lives Matter was about black lives and wasn't about politics or partisanship or politicians. Now, it just so happens, of course, that the politicians now suddenly don't want to have anything to do with Black Lives Matter. I don't think Joe Biden has invited them into the White House yet. They're now complaining and bemoaning that fact. But it's very clear, and and, and it's euphemistic as well at the same time, Mark, because Time magazine will say, you know, it's coming together of business and labor. Well, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce doesn't represent ordinary business in the United States of America. It represents big corporate interests. And the AFL-CIO doesn't represent ordinary labor. They are the union fat cats, the union bigwigs with big, fancy steel and gold-trimmed buildings a block away from the White House. So, again, this comes down to not what, uh, you know, we've typically understood as left versus right, but actually what we now understand more to be like the hyper-elites versus the rest of us. You know, not the 1%. 
but the 0.01% versus everybody else. And, you know, it's very clear. Molly Ball gets into it in the article. She talks about how these people leveraged their power, put together these multi-million dollar packs, these political action committees. And their job is to heap pressure onto big tech, onto big media, and indeed get election rules and laws changed. That's what Phil Klein and the Amistad Project and all those wonderful people, they reported to us back in October of last year. And we reported that story out that Zuckerberg was plowing hundreds of millions of dollars. And those dollars came with strings attached. They went to public authorities around the country and said, hey, we will help you. We're going to help you fund the changes in your elections that you know need to be made because of this COVID crisis. But you have to do it by our rules. You have to do it in, in a way that, hey, the signatures may not match, but you're going to count the ballots anyway. The ballots may come in late, but you're going to count the ballots anyway. The drop boxes are going to be in more frequent positions in streets where Democrats typically vote and less frequent in streets where Republicans vote. And they got all of that. What we've seen here and what we're learning from this article, things we suspected all along, but what we're now learning is about the corporatization of an American election. And it is, it is, you're, it's amazing how they expose themselves. And you know what? The rest of the media will ignore this. They're probably very annoyed at Time Magazine for doing this. Big tech is revealed here as we knew. You know, we knew what they were doing, but they're revealed here. They they buckled to the pressure of the left, and of course, they're participating in what the left is doing. There's no question about it. And they've gone beyond now, beyond the election. And then you see big media the same thing, and they talk about changing the election laws in these states. And you know, if you bring that up now, you brought it up, Ted Cruz. You brought it up, Josh Howley. You brought it up, 140 Republicans in the house. It was there. It's it happened. We all saw it. Oh, you must be inciting people. You must be inciting an insurrection and so forth. So they're probably still at it post-election, don't you think? They want this. To, I mean, I, in the article, we call it changing American elections forever. This was not a one-time shot or a one-time deal for these guys. They intend for this to remain the case. But I tell you, you're absolutely right. The, you know, the Brian Stelters of the world are going to be so angry that this piece, because they've been screaming into their cameras for the last several months that anybody who's claimed anything even close to what Time magazine reported. Remember, the definition of conspiracy is to do harm. The definition of cabal, we've been told for years, is, is underlying anti-Semitic tropes. And this is what Time magazine actually is admitting here. And those are the words that they are using. So CNN will be mortified that they've done this reporting. But I'll tell you what it does help is it helps in the upcoming Senate trial. And every single seat in that room should have a copy of this article printed out and placed on the seats. And every single senator should be waving a copy of this article because it lays out. And you cannot you cannot allege that the president of the United States in, incited an insurrection under false pretenses, Mark, if the pretenses were true. Mm-hmm. Ben Sass, Mitt Romney, Pat Toomey, the others, they owe an apology to this president. They owe an apology to the Republican Party. They owe an apology to the country because they have participated in the propagandizing of the attack on people who are, who are innocent. I'm not talking about the people who who rushed the Capitol building, of course. I'm talking about all those people on radio, on TV, 
you, on the internet, bloggers, who all raised serious questions about what was taking place. Serious questions about it. It was in our face. We saw it. I'm not talking about the kook stuff. I'm talking about the real stuff. And now it's all been underscored by this article, by the people who did it. And you're right. Every one of those, at least Republican senators, should have this document. And what are they going to say about it? What are they going to say? Are they going to use it? I don't think they will. I don't think the Sasses of the world and the Romneys of the world give a damn. Do you? <laughs> I'm not going to try and read their minds. But some, it's not something hard. They're very transparent. What's that? Something inside me just still hopes. Something inside me still hopes that they care about the truth at some level, Mark. And, that, and there are 6,500 words of truth in this Time magazine article. All right. Well, thanks for everything. We very much appreciate it. That's Raheem Kassan, the National Pulse, and take care of yourself. Keep up the good work. You too. Thank you, Mark. All right. Now, Mr. Producer, I want to take this Time Magazine article. I want to put it on my website, marklevinshow.com. All right. It's already there. I want the uh, National Pulse and, and Raheem's summarization of this, so people can have that if they choose not to read the long article on there as well. But folks, it's really worth 10-15 minutes of your time to go through this article. It is shocking and it is disgusting. And yet it lays it all out. And I've been carefully watching news almost the entire day, <coughs> excuse me, throughout the afternoon I should say. I haven't seen this, <laughs> excuse me, I haven't seen this anywhere. I haven't seen it anywhere. Not discussed anywhere. It's pretty amazing. This is a, a confession by the conspirators. And you know, it's the same thing that happened with the Russia collusion stuff, but there wasn't an article like this. Things like the Russia collusion strategy that is ubiquitous throughout the media, throughout commentary, ubiquitous throughout government, throughout academia, those things don't just happen. It takes an organized plot like this organized plot that's not exposed in this article, but is bragged about in this article. It's really disgusting. And I should also add that it's unfortunate for the president, well, Donald Trump, former president of the United States, it appears that some of his people were caught flat-footed. The RNC was caught flat-footed. The lawyers at the RNC and elsewhere were caught flat-footed. Obviously, some of the president's advisors were caught flat-footed. All this was going on. How many times did I get behind this microphone, Mr. Producer, and warn the campaign about all the lawyers on the left that were doing stuff, doing things? Endlessly, over and over. They better have enough lawyers. They be- Oh, we're set. We're okay. They weren't set. And they weren't okay. They weren't set and they weren't okay. So this is a big propaganda effort. It was a big behind-the-shadows effort. And uh, Rahim is exactly right. This was organized by the Republican and Democrat establishments, the hard left, big tech, big media. You're not conspiracy theorists. You're not nuts. But unfortunately, Jeremy Peters and Phil, what's the idiot's name? Phil Bump and all the other doofuses and mouthpieces 
They could have investigated this. They could have reported this story. But instead, the people who were involved in this started bragging and they went to Time magazine. And so while they try to make all of you out to be some kind of white supremacist militia, violent, QAnon, whatever else goes through their uh, very, very small uh, noggins, this is what took place. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. I want to congratulate Claudia Tenney, who was on this program Tuesday. She's now been declared the winner, finally, today, of her congressional seat in New York. We had her on this program Tuesday. I wanted to know the name of the judge. We called out the judge. We called out what was taking place there. Hopefully that made some kind of a difference. Who knows? But she is the legitimate winner of that seat. And good for her. And she fought like hell and she was solid as hell. Now she's in the house and she's going to be a lion or is it lioness? It doesn't matter. Because she saw what was done in these election laws. And again, I want to strongly encourage you to read the article from the New York Times, which we, is it posting it or we're posting it? We're posting it on MarkLevinShow.com. That's the mothership. It's not up yet, but it will be up, and I really hope you'll take a look at it. Oh, it's already up. Um, I don't know where else, where else can we put it. I don't, we don't have any other place to put it. That's it right now. We'll wait till next week, and hopefully Parlor will be on its feet. Yeah. Are we able to post anything on Parlor? I thought we could post one or two things. We'll post it on Monday. But wherever you find it, you need to read it. You need to read it, because the media are going to cover it up I'm hoping one of the bigs on Fox uh, this evening at 8pm, 9pm or 10pm or all will get into this because it's very very important it's very very important you know I have to say this and this isn't a put down of any of the people who have been trying out for that 7pm slot on Fox I kind of miss that Martha show that she had there you know that the Martha McCallum program there. I kind of miss her. I feel like she was a real journalist. 
Joe Biden in the first two and a half weeks of his presidency has been a disaster. He's been a disaster for the working men and women of this country. He's been a disaster for the women of this country who participate in collegiate sports or high school or middle school or elementary sports. He's been a disaster for people who care about lawful immigration as he's embraced illegal immigration. He's been a disaster for the suburbs as he has reinstituted a radical federal zoning policy that will reach its tentacles into your communities and take control from your school boards, from your election boards, from your mayors, your councilmen, your supervisors, and from the Department of HUD, determine what your community will do, when it'll do it, and how it'll do it. That's just, that's just coming. He just signed up on that. What else has he done? He just rammed through the biggest inflation bill in American history. That's what it is. $1.9 trillion. And Nancy Pelosi says in a couple months we're going to come back for more COVID relief, ladies and gentlemen. The vast majority of this bill has nothing to do with those of you suffering or who have suffered from this virus. Has nothing to do with those of you who have been put out of work as a result of this virus. Nothing to do with those of you who have lost your businesses or are losing your businesses because of this virus and these damnable governors and mayors. The vast majority of it has nothing to do with any of that. He's paying off his base. A massive redistribution of wealth. That's what he's doing. What about his appointments? They're coming through the Senate rubber stamp one after another. He is one of the most radical foreign policy and national security teams in American history. Sellouts to communist China. Haters of the state of Israel. They reject American sovereignty. They insist on Globalism, which I wrote about, by the way, in Liberty and Tyranny years and years and years ago. You can't surrender America's sovereignty. That doesn't mean you don't have commercial dealings with other countries. But one has nothing to do with the other. He's back-channeled the Iranian regime, trying to prop that regime back up. And I could go on and on and on about the disaster in the last two and a half weeks. But even more than that. They've trampled all over the Constitution. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You know, I think we have a good shot at taking the House and the Senate in 2022 because of the radicalism that we're seeing. However, if we don't fix those election laws that were changed, now admitted in Time Magazine, bragged about in Time Magazine, if we don't do that, it's going to be very difficult. So these damn Republican legislatures in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, 
Michigan. The hell's the other one? They better stand up and they better start fixing things. Because their own political careers are going to be destroyed the way the election laws have been changed. Now, I want to uh, remind you, and I, I got a few emails from some friends of mine who said that when you were on Hannity on Wednesday, the way you laid out the violations of the Constitution, chapter and verse, that were taking place, that's something that you must continue to talk about. And that legal groups across the country, not-for-profit, conservative and libertarian groups, legal groups across the country need to get involved in. And so I want to play that. It's very brief. And I want to remind everybody that what we have now is an utterly lawless president, a useless media, and read that Time magazine piece. They printed it out of braggadocia. They printed it because the people who were involved in what took place in this election are celebrating it. They want credit for it. But you read it, And then you can see so much of what you believed was accurate. I'm not talking about voting machines and all. I'm talking about changing election laws. I'm talking about big tech. I'm talking about the corporatists, the never-Trumpers, all in it together. That's what they say. They were all in it together. They had multiple meetings. Zuckerberg and his hundreds of millions of dollars, and he wasn't the only one. Almost $400 million in dark money came into the Biden campaign. Dark money meaning we don't know where it came from. And even to this day, the University of Pennsylvania and the University of Delaware, which are intimately involved in the Biden career, if you will, will not reveal the source of so much of the money they received while he was attached to these, these colleges. Why? Why won't they? All right, so this is me on Hannity. I'm not playing it because I like to hear my voice. I don't like to hear my voice. I'm playing it because of the substance. Cut 18, go. Let's ask this. How would you say the start of this Biden administration is going? First of all, Adam Schiff shouldn't be running for attorney general. He should be running from the attorney general. As I watch Biden sign these executive orders like Benito Mussolini handing out the declarations, and I listen to Chuck Schumer, the Democrats, in the uh, Congress. We have two problems going on here. First of all, we have a monarch in the White House, and we have a mobocracy in the Congress, neither of which want to follow the Constitution. I'll give you some examples. I started to make a list. Packing the Supreme Court, and uh, uh, Schumer talked to Rachel Maddow about wanting to expand all the courts clearly a violation of separation of powers. They're trying to have an ideological uh, court system. That violates separation of powers. This is Article 1 attacking Article 3. The federalization of state election laws in this H.R. 1 that Nancy Pelosi's been pushing to turn the states into California so they can never lose an election, the Democrats, that violates Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution. You can't do that by statute. You need to amend the Constitution. They talk about D.C. statehood like they could just pass a statute. The District of Columbia is created by the Constitution as national capital area. It's not to be put under a state. That's Article 1, Section 8. So they're not free to do that. This outrageous 
so-called impeachment trial in the Senate. The Senate has no authority, no jurisdiction, whatever. It is absolutely rogue. It's a complete clown show. Uh, the Constitution's clear, Article 1, Section 3, uh, conviction of somebody who's in office, removal from office, and disqualification from future office. It's not like the Democrats are literate when it comes to the Constitution, but I guess we're going to hear them yammer on and on about it. A bill of attainers unconstitutional. Article 1, Section 9, Clause 3. What's that? Congress is not free to pass punitive legislation to punish or penalize somebody encroaching on the judicial function, especially without a real trial. That is what they're doing if they try and use the 14th Amendment against President Trump. What else? Schumer wants to get rid of Citizens United. Citizens United allows advocacy uh, during elections, free speech. So they want to attack the First Amendment in free speech, the Second Amendment. They want to uh, regulate and use executive orders to destroy the Second Amendment. These are the Bill of Rights. Uh, Biden's over 40 executive orders and actions violate separation of powers. We don't have a president who dresses up legislation as an executive order and sits there like he's some nursing home. I just signed this one. I just signed this one. And then he doesn't take any questions. So that's Article to uh, the presidency attacking Article 1, the Congress. But the Democrats don't much mind because they like what he's doing. This executive order on Keystone XL pipeline, we have an amendment, the Fifth Amendment. It's part of the Bill of Rights. It's the taking clause. You don't get to steal somebody's property without remuneration. So that's a violation of the Fifth Amendment. We have the Equal Protection Clause in the Fifth Amendment that applies to the feds, the 14th Amendment that applies to the states, Equal Protection Clause. He signs an executive order that promotes race-based discrimination throughout the federal departments and agencies, clearly in violation of equal protection. He assigns another executive order destroying women's sports in this country uh, for biological females. Again, violates the Equal Protection Clause of the 5th and 14th Amendment uh, of the Constitution. Now, what has he done apart from this? Biden and his party are bought and paid for by the teachers unions. That's why he opposes the number one civil rights issue that President Trump was pushing, school choice. These kids that can't afford private and parochial schools, they can't get out. They are stuck. So he's bought and paid for, as the Democrat Party is, by the teachers unions, and they choose them over your kids, America. Biden's party are using COVID-19 to give hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars to blue states, blue cities, special interests, their constituent groups, having nothing to do with the pandemic. One trillion dollars already sits there that hasn't been spent, and he wants another two trillion for starters. All right. Two more minutes, go. Biden killed thousands of American jobs, hardworking, middle-class American jobs, while opening the borders to illegal aliens. God knows how many numbers of illegal aliens. Biden has royally screwed up the production and distribution of vaccines developed by President Trump and his administration. They don't know what to do. He's never known what to do. There's not a single one of the people in his inner circle that's ever worked in the private sector doing anything productive. They don't know what they're doing. Biden's foreign policy and national security teams are laced with individuals who despise the state of Israel and slobber all over communist China and that genocidal regime in Iran. Now, while we're at it, he has enough time to make sure 
that uh, who's appointed the head of the criminal division? Ex-colleague of Hunter Biden's lawyer. He's got to take care of the family. But I want to talk quickly about Chuck Schumer. You mentioned it. He threatened two U.S. Supreme Court justices. He threatened the Supreme Court. He assembled a mob on the stairs of, this, of the Supreme Court that tried to break into the Supreme Court, but for that 13-foot bronze door there. And he warned those justices that they are, in fact, in for hell if they don't vote the way he wants. He threatened the Supreme Court. He used the Kavanaugh hearings, as Molly Hemingway so brilliantly wrote, to convene a mob, to disrupt hearings. Who the hell does this clown Schumer think he is? Stopping all over the Constitution with a 50-50 vote in the Senate, trying to impose his will on the American people, on the whole country, and now going to have a rogue trial? He's the one that should be in trial, and all the other reprobates that have for decades been threatening the American people and making outrageous comments to try and stir up and create frenzies among their own base. That's how lousy the Biden administration has been in 15 days. 15 wow. damn days. Well, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I can't say it better than that, because I said it. I'll be right back. in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Ben Sass ran as a Tea Party conservative. Now he claims to be a constitutionalist. He's neither of those things. He's an establishment, never Trump or Republican. He's really never accomplished very much in the Senate. He's a gadfly at best. And that's at best. And so he issued a video yesterday that he wants the whole world to hear because he's so brilliant and has so many brilliant things to say. So I thought you might want to listen to what Ben Sass had to say. Cut seven, go. January 6th is going to leave a scar. For 220 years, one of the most beautiful things about America has been our peaceful transfer of power. Okay, stop right there. Really? I noticed he kept his mouth pretty much shut during the peaceful transfer of power in 2016, 2017. Did you notice that, ladies and gentlemen? Peaceful transfer of power. For the next four years, they tried to destroy Donald Trump, but Ben Sass didn't much give a damn. Ben Sass was really relatively quiet about the whole thing. The politicization of the FBI, the politicization of the FOIA court, the politicization of Intel. Apparently that was okay with uh, Wild Ben Sass. 
Again, he didn't do a hell of a lot about it. He wasn't the leading voice against it. No, he was worried as a never-Trumper about Trump. Go ahead. Arkansas three weeks ago was ugly. Shameful mob violence to disrupt a constitutionally mandated meeting of the Congress to affirm that peaceful transfer of power. It happened because the president lied to you. There you go. See, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Sass is a liar, and I'll prove it to you. The New York Times is no friend of the president's, former president's, neither is the Washington Post. And yet there were stories written, and Ben Sass has access to them. I understand he knows how to read. And in those stories, they pointed out how the pre-planning of the attack on the Capitol was taking place, how that information came from the NYPD, the great NYPD, also the FBI office in Norfolk, Virginia. And that information was provided to the Washington FBI, was given to the Terrorism Task Force, and we don't know what happened to it. We also know from the former chief of the Capitol Police that he told the sergeant-arms of the Senate, who works for McConnell, and the sergeant-arms of the House, who works for Pelosi, that they needed to muscle up, bring in the National Guard, do other things to protect the building. This is long before Donald Trump even gave his speech. So what did the FBI do? What did Pelosi and McConnell do? What took place exactly? We also know those pipe bombs were planted the day before the president gave his speech. And yet, listen to Ben Sass. He's very, very, you can see, sounds like a Stalinist almost in his conclusions. You know, it was Donald Trump who did this, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump. And if he's going to conduct himself that way, of course, he never gives credit for incitement to the left, which was burning cities all summer long. Maybe it's their incitement. Maybe it's people being called Hitler. Maybe it's people being called all kinds of names. Maybe that causes the kooks to get nuts. But whatever it is, whatever it is, there is absolutely nothing that ties Donald Trump to this other than Ben Sass's hate, Mitt Romney's hate, Pat Toomey's hate, Susan Collins's hate, Lisa Murkowski's hate for Donald Trump. That's it. That's it. Trust me. You would never want to be a defendant with this guy on a jury. That's for sure. Go ahead. He lied about the election results for 60 days. Actually, clown, we actually know more now as a result of this Time Magazine article. You're the kind of fool that the Democrats love. They love guys like you. They just roll you every time. But even if he did, even if that's your conclusion... Hillary Clinton's been doing that for four years. Al Gore's been doing that since the 2000 election. How does that incite what took place in the Capitol building other than you're projecting your conclusions? Go ahead. Despite losing 60 straight court challenges. 60 straight court challenges. Which one did you read, Sess? One of them is still at the Supreme Court of the United States. One of them still at the Supreme Court of the United States. So he picks up the liberal talking points and he regurgitates them because that's all he's capable of. Senator Sass, you're free to call this program and I want to talk to you about the two Pennsylvania cases that I'm familiar with. I want to talk to you about those two cases since you know so much about them. 
What took place in the state of Pennsylvania? I'm not talking about election machines. I'm not even talking about fraud. I'm talking about what was done to the Constitution in that state, what was done to the election process in that state. You say you're a constitutionalist, you're a fraud. And now we have a Time Magazine article where these leftists are bragging about what they did in these states. They violated Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. And you say nothing, nothing, not a damn thing about it. Nothing. Go ahead. Of them handed down by wonderful Trump-appointed judges. Oh, all Trump-appointed judges. Tell me, were those Trump-appointed judges in the, in, the, in the Pennsylvania Supreme Court? This guy doesn't even have his facts. He's buffoonish. Go ahead. ...by saying that the vice president could just violate his constitutional oath and declare a new... John winner. Eastman says that's not what the president of the United States, or he was saying. But of course, we all know that the vice president can't do that. Go ahead. That wasn't true. He then riled a mob that attacked the Capitol, many chanting, hang Pence. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, Mr. Producer, I thought that canard was disproven by the media, wasn't it? Yeah, so did I. That's number one. Number two, he didn't rile the mob. There are hundreds of thousands of people on the mall. He didn't rile a single one of them. Once again, Sass is a liar, and knowingly so. That attack on the Capitol occurred 20 minutes before the President of the United States finished his speech. Not a single word of which incited anybody. Go ahead. If that president were a Democrat, we both know how you'd respond. But What does that have to do with anything? How did you respond when Obama and Biden and their administration undermined the Trump administration? You basically didn't respond at all. Go ahead. Looking behind his name, you're defending him. I see. Something has definitely changed over the last four years, but it's not me. No, it is you. Maybe it isn't you. You're a clown. That much I know. That video doesn't help you, Senator. It makes you look stupider than you actually are. Or maybe not. I'll be right back. This is where Hollywood liberals come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811. So I come across an article in the Daily Mail. It says, COVID's deadliest day, more than 5,000 died on Thursday as fatalities remain stubbornly high after a holiday surge. But experts say they're baffled by 50% drop in new infections with just 8.7% of U.S. citizens vaccinated and no herd immunity. And so who else to call but the expert of experts, my friend, Dr. Siegel, with his great book, COVID. Mark Siegel, what do you make of this? Well, first of all, of course, everything is always tilted in the direction of providing the most fear imaginable to get the most attention for the longest period of time. But I think that the key that you're looking for to start off with here, Mark, is that we may have 25 million documented cases in the United States, but we actually have more like 70 to 75 million real cases. Why do I say that? Because plenty of people got COVID two to three times, probably three times more got COVID than ever knew they got it. They got flu-like symptoms. They got fatigued. They couldn't get out of the house to get tested. 
I've believed that, and I'm not alone. Experts for a long time believe 70 to 75 million people probably What, what other explanation can there be? There There's can't no be other any other explanation. Plus the fact that we're now vaccinating people, and we've vaccinated over 30, 35 million, so that's 100 million right there. Mm-hmm. And we vaccinated some high-risk groups, and we vaccinated people who spread it, like healthcare workers like me and, and elderly people. We're starting to make a dent in this. And that's why the number of new cases is going down, and it's sustained. You know, it's also fascinating that the administration announced now that Actually, we're on track, we're on schedule, we're going to have 1.3 million vaccinations a day very soon. We're going to beat our 100 million in 100 days uh, 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 target. I'm thinking, wait a minute, 48 hours ago you said you couldn't find the vaccines, you didn't know where 20 million of them were, they, you weren't handed a plan for distribution. All of these were lies, and 48 hours later everything is, is uh, copacetic. What do you make of that? Well, I think they want you to believe that they're magicians with a magic wand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like that's the old bag of political dirty tricks, isn't it? Make you afraid of the other guy, and then we'll ride to the rescue. Except that you just answered the question. All of this distribution was in place, and what you had at the statewide level, states like California and New York were busy adding another layer of bureaucracy, just what we need. No wonder the health officials in New York State have all resigned or threatened to resign. And the worst of all, by the way, was that states were actually discarding vaccine. Nobody said, and, 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 and former Admiral Jawar told me this the other day, it was a he, one of the heads of Operation Warp Speed, this, this CDC guidelines were not supposed to be some rigid thing that you had to adhere to, and if you couldn't find the exact person you were looking for, discard the vaccine. You know, the military was involved. This was an unprecedented plan to put together to do, distribute these vaccines. Nothing has changed. I'll tell you what's changed. The pharmacy are more involved. But Mark, those, that was part of HHS's plans under the Trump administration to bring 40,000 pharmacies in, 40,000 sites. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was part of the plan. And the other thing is, and no politician on the left wants to point to this, it took a while to make these vaccines. It's not like making a car. They're using a, a, a nanoparticle to make this vaccine. And the slowdown occurred at the, pharmac- at the, at the, at the level of the manufacturer. Sure. Yeah, I don't. I mean, what, what's troubling to me is not only do they first attack all the efforts that were made by the scientists, the experts, the labs, individuals in the federal government and the Trump administration and so forth to do what was the unimaginable. But then uh, when they when they say, look at this, we're able to do X, Y, Z in 15 days, they attack those people and then they take credit for their work. You know what, Dr. Siegel, what I would like to see? I'd like to see the names and faces of the individuals who work for these companies who actually invented these vaccines. We never get to figure out who that is, do we? No, and we never get to say, you're never going to hear anybody say now that a vaccine has ever been made in this rapid a period of time, passed by the Food and Drug Administration under an emergency use authorization, mm-hmm. given to many, many millions of people safely. Wouldn't they love to blame President Trump for somebody fainting after a vaccine? This has been an enormously positive response to a vaccine, effective, over 95% in most cases. Unbelievable. And, you know, as I wrote in, in COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science, Great Mark, book. they're really interested in undermining anybody's attempts to save people, which is a disgrace. And this vaccine, a huge, huge success.
Both of them, the Moderna and the Pfizer. And now the Johnson & Johnson. All of this was plans put into place by Operation Warp Speed. You know, Dr. Siegel, I notice right after the election of Joe Biden, all those charts on TV of the death counts every day, they're missing. Have you noticed they're not there anymore? No, I, of, of course, because now, now the flags have changed, and he doesn't want to take responsibility for anybody dying, so he pretends that, that, that that's not true. And suddenly the ICUs aren't full anymore, and suddenly the, the cameras are pointed in, in a different direction. It reminds me, you know, I, I worked in the Reagan administration. It reminds me day in and day out, night in and night out, we would see the lines of the uh, homeless people. And then uh, George H.W. Bush is elected, and then after that it's Clinton, and there's no more lines. It all went away. It's the media. Have the, how do you think the media have performed in the last 10 months with respect to this pandemic? I think they've politicized everything. I think that they refuse to look at it in terms of a learning curve, a new virus, responding to that virus, learning things to treat it. You know, here's another great example. We've got home testing now, Alum, a, a, a company that the NIH was involved with. We've got home testing now. So, of course, the new administration says home testing, we're putting in place money from HHS to pay for it on a much more expanded basis. I said, I, I brought that up to Dr. Jawar. He said, yeah, except that that's our money and that's our allocation and that was approved before they came in that's the, the the idea of political finger pointing instead of saying wow we're inheriting this let's run with it let's make it better and and you pointed out a hundred million doses a hundred million vaccine doses in a hundred days well when, when the new administration came in we were already at 1.25 million a day mm-hmm. which if you just do the basic arithmetic of that that comes out to 125 million in a hundred days you know, you're remarkable, uh, the way you stay on top of this. It's a pandemic, and yet you stay on top of this. You must read a lot. You must follow a lot. You must talk to a lot of the experts. How do you stay on top of this? I watch the science, and I watch how it evolves, and I look at the studies, and I'm humble about it because it's a ferocious virus, but I'm also very willing to see, to see when we're making a victory lap. And I don't let the next fear thing coming down overwhelm me like the new talk the new talk is the variants the mutants the mutations and i know those are charged words so i look at the science of that i say well wait a minute we got herd immunity and we're heading towards it we've got the vaccine we're decreasing the amount of cases and we'll we'll deal with the variants and then we learn that the that the messenger rna vaccines we have we can reconfigure them to actually cover these variants and that the vaccines we have already are for the most part, covering them. So I look at the science and I stay away from the fear-laden terms and I don't let it overwhelm me. And I'm very suspicious of politicians who get up there and use fear to, to control. That's what, that's, that's what this is. Get your attention, control you, make you afraid, and make you pummel the other guy. You know, uh, I'm, I'm a little troubled, and I, I don't mean to draw you into this, but I, I listen to Fauci. I mean, he's everywhere. He's ubiquitous. Uh, I don't know how you have time to do your job when you're doing as much TV as this man is. But that said, to his contradictions when it comes to no mask, one mask, two masks, no, not two masks, schools. In some ways, I think he's shooting from the hip. Am I wrong about that? I mean, I know it's a new virus and so on, but he, but he wants to sound very authoritative on the other hand. 
Well, I respect him, but I want to talk about both of the things you said. Masks, the problem with double masking, and Dr. Michael Osterholm from Minnesota told me this today. You know, there's wiggle room in between the masks. You can't even get one mask on properly. How are you going to get a second mask on properly? The next thing you know, it'll be like Twister, right? You'll be putting on a mask, a second mask, a third mask. You'll be on one foot with your arm raised. So So that makes no sense whatsoever, and that's the problem with that. We should teach people how to use one mask properly. As far as schools are concerned, Mark, schools, we've been saying, you and I have been saying for months and months and months how schools should be open. You know how the left loves to say, if you had only done that then. Mm -hmm. So why don't we say, if you had only kept schools open then, how many suicides would you have prevented? How much depression would you have prevented? How many kids would have gotten their immunizations? Why do we have to wait 10 months for the data to come in to confirm what we already knew from Europe and from Australia that kids do not spread this to adults very often. Dr. Fauci is in charge of one little sliver of the health world, isn't he? And that is infectious diseases, correct? Right. He's the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He's a virologist and a vaccinologist, and he was involved with these vaccines, correct? So he's not an expert on overall health. I mean, he's not an expert on suicide, heart disease, diabetes, and all the rest, right? That's left to others. That's right. That's, that's the overall, what I've been calling the collateral damage of the pandemic, that, which really hasn't been getting its due, its due at all. And this is my point. I want to underscore your point. When people listen to Dr. Fauci, he thinks he's, they, a lot of people, and I've talked to them, think he's the federal government's science slash medical expert for all things health. He is not, is he? No, he's not. And, and, and he, if you ask him that directly, he will say that. He's not an epidemiologist. He's not a public health specialist. He's an expert in the virus, and he's learning about the virus. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times he's, he's come out and had opinions or been pushed it either way, pushed to have opinions or had opinions about things like lockdowns, which are, which are hugely costly. And, and have cost us not just economically, destroyed the entire economy of big parts of our society, but cost us medically and psychologically as well. And that's not his area of expertise, is it? No, definitely right. not his area of expertise. And, and it's something that has been a huge tragic outcome of this pandemic. And now, by the way, more and more, more, and more studies are coming out to prove that. What we knew months ago, what we said months ago, the only time a lockdown works, Mark, is in advance of a virus. Some really wise infectious disease specialist said to me back in March, if the virus is in your community, you don't lock down because you know what happens when you lock down? You lock in the virus and it spreads from house to house, especially in poor neighborhoods. You lock down if there's no virus in order to keep the virus from getting in. Let me just say this. You are a national treasure. When I listen to you, I'm better informed. You, you speak in plain English. You, uh, you, you try and stay on top of these issues very, very well. And we always learn a little bit something more. And your book on COVID is outstanding. I hope people will go on Amazon and get a copy. I would link to it, but I have nothing to link to it. I, I resigned from Facebook and Twitter, and we're waiting for Parler. But tell everybody again where they can get your book. Well, they can get it on Amazon. They can get it in bookstores anywhere. If there, if there are any left in your neighborhood that haven't been locked down. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I love the, the compliment of straight talk because you know what the opposite of that is. It's speaking in tongues, in four <laughs> tongues. And we know what that means. So that's the biggest compliment you can give me, and I feel the same about you. Well, thank you, Doctor. And God bless you and be well. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How's your father doing? Oh, he's doing great, by the way. He's Tell everybody great. how old your father is. 
My father is now 97. He had COVID. He said, I'm on the couch. I'm never going to get up again. He took hydroxychloroquine, mm-hmm. and, and, and he, he got better the next day, and he's doing terrific. Hmm. Surprised they didn't arrest him and throw him into, uh, into Fauci jail with the hydroxy. All right. Dr. Siegel, well, I want to thank you, my friend. Great to be on with you, Mark. Thanks for having me. You too. Be well. That guy's terrific. Absolutely terrific. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Isn't he good? Dr. Siegel is better than good. You know, I don't know who Nancy Mace is. She's apparently a freshman elected from South Carolina. But so far, I'm liking what I see in here. You know, she was next door to uh, AOC, her office, Mr. Producer, in the Cannon Office building. The Cannon Office building, I think, is one of the older ones. It's the House Office building. And it's one of the ones that's furthest from, I think, the Capitol building. But wherever it is, um, it was not attacked on February 6th. And Congresswoman uh, Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina, I believe, she was in her office, and AOC was in her office, the same building. And yet AOC had put out this video, we talked about it a few days ago, going on and on about the threats that she faced, and she was even worried about the Capitol Police officer who was helping her. She didn't trust him, and apparently almost none of that happened. Almost none of that happened. The Cannon Building wasn't attacked. She's sort of the Brian Williams of the house, like a psycho. And she always is dramatic. She always want to get, wants to get the center of attention. May I ask anybody a question? What the hell has she accomplished? Well, Mark, she's dragged the Democrat Party. No, Biden's doing exactly what Biden wants to do. He wants to be the greatest progressive president in history. This is Biden. He's an egomaniac. He's dumb as a doorknob. He always has been really, really stupid. He's got that stupid look on his face like he's cringing when he's staring at you. Like he's got some kind of uh, impossible bowel movement. Doesn't he look like that, Mr. Medusa? All right, we'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader Mark Levin Hello America, Mark Levin here our number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 Representative Dean Phillips is a Democrat from Minnesota it was floor in the House yesterday. 
or you might say was on the floor of the House yesterday. And apparently he's white from Minnesota. Isn't that correct, Mr. Producer? We have to know all these things, you know, because it's important, apparently. And uh, he needed to make some admission. Hat tip, right scoop, cut 13, go. I screamed to my colleagues to follow me, to follow me across the aisle to the Republican side of the chamber so that we could blend in, so that we could blend in. For I felt that the insurrectionists who were trying to break down the doors right here would spare us if they simply mistook us for Republicans. But within moments, I recognized that blending in was not an option available to my colleagues of color. So I'm here tonight to say to my brothers and sisters in Congress and all around our country, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For I had never understood, really understood, what privilege really means. It took a violent mob of insurrectionists and a lightning bolt moment in this very room. But now I know. Believe me, I really know. By the way, this guy is really, really white, isn't he, Mr. Producer? Translucent white, if you get my drift. He's from Minnesota. And this is where we are, you see. It's racialized. And now, forevermore, they wish to enshrine the the nomenclature. These are insurrectionists. Insurrectionists. Black Lives Matter, mostly peaceful. Antifa, mostly peaceful. The Capitol, they were insurrectionists. You know, this country's falling apart. It really is falling apart. When you have uh, one party in this country that really hates the country, it's, 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 it's really tough. I mean, I can understand condemning the people who did what they did. We've done that here. I don't know anywhere where it hasn't been done. It's like the death of George Floyd. I don't know anybody who didn't condemn it. Condemn it. What's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. What's good is good and what's evil is evil. And the attack on the Capitol building was evil. It was wrong. Condemn it. We've condemned it. But that's not what the Democrats are doing. Now they're the victims. And these are insurrectionists. Insurrectionists. And Donald Trump is responsible for the insurrectionists. Because Donald Trump wanted to overthrow the country. He wanted to overthrow Congress. He wanted to overthrow the election. Are they out of their minds, these people? Out of their minds? Completely whacked out? The rest of us are not going to buy this crap. You know, there was a montage. Our friends at Grabian put it together. Dems impeaching Trump for using Democrat talking point. We're going to fight like hell. That's what the Democrats said. Fight like hell. We're going to fight like hell. Whether they're Democrats in Congress, Democrats in the media, whatever it is. We're going to fight like hell. And Donald Trump says we're going to fight like hell. Oh, he's an insurrectionist. Cut 14, go. In the Senate, Democrats are going to fight like hell to make this a reality. 
Americans who took to the streets this week have demanded change. With this legislation, Democrats are heeding their calls. I want the people of Pennsylvania, the people all across this country to know that we are going to fight like hell to protect your vote, to secure your vote, and to make sure that your vote is counted. How confident are you that Kentuckians are going to have the ability to vote freely uh, in November? Well, I'll tell you, I'm confident that we're going to fight like hell to make sure they can. We are going to fight like hell to make sure that everyone who wants to vote can exercise that right to vote. This election is coming, whether the president wants it or not, and we're going to fight like hell in Congress to make sure that the mail still works. Today, Biden's VP Kamala Harris told supporters in a fundraising note that it is time to, quote, fight like hell to protect the Supreme Court following the passing of late Justice Ginsburg. That legacy of rights needs to be continued. I'm going to fight like hell. Speaking for myself, I'm going to fight like hell. Aaron, we're going to fight like hell. The reforms, we're going to fight like hell to get those reforms in. I, and I know many other senators and members of the House, will fight like hell to make sure that we act and act as soon as possible. I just have one thing to say about the next eight days. I'm going to fight like hell. They need a president who will go into the White House and will fight like hell to make sure they get the health care they need. Mitch McConnell believes that this fight is over. What Mitch McConnell does not understand is this fight has just begun. Yeah. No matter how much we demonstrate that the Democrats and the left are liars, no matter how much we de- demonstrate that they hate this country, no matter how much we demonstrate that they're undermining this country, apparently it makes no impact. And if you fight like hell to resist what they're doing on the radio or you go to a protest, I'm not talking about violence, then you're a white, privileged, dominant supremacist, you see. Even those of you who are black and Hispanic or mixed or what have you. doesn't matter. To watch AOC go to the floor of the house and talk about how she was traumatized and she's a victim, and that mocking her for her lies is like mocking victims of crimes. It just shows you, particularly these younger radical leftists on the Democrat Party who make it to Congress, it just shows you what narcissistic nutjobs they actually are. Narcissistic nutjobs. They didn't have that feeling for the cops in Portland, in Seattle, in New York, in Minneapolis. No, they were stormtroopers. They were instigators. We've got to slash their budgets. We've got, we got to destroy their precincts. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. You know, all that crap. But now they're the victims. The Democrats in Congress are the victims of the insurrectionists. And don't you dare criticize them from calling them insurrectionists. Insurrectionists. Tell me, were the Democrats insurrectionists when they tried to destroy Donald Trump and his presidency? Were they? Were the Democrats insurrectionists when they embraced Black Lives Matter and their violent attacks on this country? And their fellow countrymen and their Antifa and their violent attacks on this country and their fellow countrymen? Were they insurrectionists? 
insurrectionists. Why did Bill Clinton pardon several insurrectionists? Why did Barack Obama pardon insurrectionists? Why did Barack Obama pal around insurrectionists? Hmm? Yes, good questions that'll never be answered. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. I want you to listen to the very white and transparent, in fact, Minnesota Democrat Dean Phillips on the floor of the House again, because I think I can help this guy. I really do. Cut 13. Go. I screamed to my colleagues to follow me, to follow me across the aisle to the Republican side of the chamber so that we could blend in, so that we could blend in. For I felt... Trish, well, I don't even know if that's true. It sounds so weird and stupid, doesn't it? Doesn't it? First they say they were saying hang Mike Pence, right? Isn't he white and a Republican, Mr. Producer? Anyway, go ahead. To break down the doors right here would spare us if they simply mistook us for Republicans. (laughs) But within moments, I recognized that blending in was not an option available to my colleagues of color. So I'm here tonight to say to my brothers and sisters in Congress and all around our country, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For I had never understood, really understood, what privilege really means. It took a violent mob of insurrectionists Insurrectionists, and a lightning bolt moment in this very room. But now I know... Believe me, I really know. He really knows now. I have a way to solve this, Mr. Producer. And I hear this from white liberals all the time. Why don't they just resign and hand their seats over to minority? He, I, I really don't understand it. If you're really serious about what you're saying... Then do something about it. You're taking up a precious position. There are only so many. Uh, And uh, if you really believe what you're saying, then do it. Right, Mr. Producer? 
give your seat to a minority. Uh, but he won't, because he's an egomaniac and he's power hungry. So, you know, words are words and the rest is the rest. Oh, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Mr. Producer, do we have some good callers out there just uh, breathlessly waiting to go on the Mark Levin show, please? Christine in Kansas, the great KCMO. Go! Hi. Thanks for having yellow, me on. Yellow, yellow. Hey, um, I'm a pediatrician in Kansas City, and I've been working for the last eight months to get the students in our county back in school, and I have not been successful yet, but I was actually... That's calling. because you believe in the science. You know, we're not talking about the science here. Well, yes, that's true. But anyway, I was... I was listening to Dr. Siegel talk, and you guys were at, you were discussing why the case numbers are down. Um, I know in Kansas, magically, our case numbers have gone down um, since uh, our governor, Governor Kelly, allowed the um, cycle threshold value to decrease from 42 to 35. Um, I have no idea what that means. So the cycle threshold is the way that you detect DNA on the COVID PCR test. Mm -hmm. So if you have a high amount of COVID DNA in your nasal swab, it may only take seven or eight cycles to detect that DNA. So that's called your cycle threshold value or your CT value. So when you have more DNA, your CT value is lower. It detects it a lot faster. Let's say we've got... Somebody... All right, so where does this take us? So, you were, sa- you were wondering why our numbers of cases had gone down. No, I was reading that the experts are wondering why the number of cases went down. Well, then, I think the reason the number of cases went down, one of the big reasons, is because now, since we're not cycling things through 40 or 45 times, we aren't detecting little fragments of dead DNA. We're going to be more likely to detect live, real virus that is going to make a person infectious and not somebody that might have 38 copies of the DNA in their nose or RNA in their nose. And actually so you're saying the testing so is much more accurate now? The testing is much more accurate now, and that change was not made until after the 1st of January when the election was already basically secured and... They needed something to start to show, look at our numbers, they're getting better. Well, of course your numbers will get better when you test appropriately. Mm-hmm. And what about the idea that maybe there has been some herd immunity, given the fact that, uh, as Dr. Siegel was saying, a lot of people probably had this and we didn't know it. We didn't have all the early testing and so forth. They've been cycled through once or twice. Oh, I agree with that. I think that there's a lot of reasons our numbers are down. I think we have had a lot more infections than have been documented because many were very mild, asymptomatic, or as you said, people just felt yucky and didn't go in to get tested. So there's a lot of reasons, but but this is a very big one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to cause the numbers to to plummet. Very interesting. And uh, you're saying, and so now, just in time for Biden to take credit, because he's such a genius. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Very, very good call. I appreciate it. What kind of doctor did you say you are? 
I'm a pediatrician. Very um, good. Can I ask you a question real quick? It's hard to, you know, we um, don't have enough pediatricians anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So I was listening to you, I think it was yesterday, and you were telling a caller that you had been on the school board in the past mm-hmm. um, and that it was very eye-opening. I am considering running for the school board in my district. Um, and do you, are you glad that you did that? Do you think mm-hmm. that that was... A, Boy, a I stirred the pot. A lot of the votes were 7-2, to two, a buddy of mine, and 8-1. to one. I got elected when I was 19. I was sworn in when I was 20. He was elected. He was 27. He became the president of the board. And I just, uh, you think I'm conservative now. You should have seen me back then. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Well, good. Well, and, and by the way, I had to create a group called the Committee for Tax Limitation, even back then, 1979, uh, because the Republican Party was one of these bedroom community Republican parties. And they weren't representing a lot of their base. I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. The, county, the township I lived in was, what, about 38,000 people, give or take, something like that. And on one end of the county, a lot of the ethnic Germans and Poles lived. On the other end of the county, a lot of the ethnic Irish and Italians lived. And then in the center of the, excuse me, a township, a lot of the Jews lived. And I was from the center of the township. And not surprisingly, that's where a lot of the Democrats were. Well, it didn't matter to me. So nonetheless, I, I campaigned all over the township. And in fact, a lot of the uh, commissioners from the, from the far ends of the township asked me to campaign with them because they were in trouble. We were having a tax revolt that I was, quite frankly, helping lead. And so I had to commit, create this committee for tax limitation, and I, I posted individuals at every single precinct with the Republicans to keep an eye on the Republicans. To make sure they weren't screwing me. Oh, goodness. And I won. <laughs> well, the county I live in, I mean, Kansas is, is pretty conservative in general, but I'm in Johnson County. Yeah. And we tend, unfortunately, to, uh, to not follow Kansas as a whole. So, um, you know what I'm, they say? If Johnson County goes, so goes the nation. Oh, boy. No, I'm I just kidding. Not. All right, doctor. Thank you. You sound like a very excellent doctor, and you take care of yourself. Very good. Great call, don't you think, Mr. Producer? All right, we're going to take more calls when I come back. Mr. Call Screening now is getting all worked up. We've got to make sure I get these calls in, but it's Friday. I want to see how each and every one of you are doing, and we'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. 
the establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Me? Little me? Mr. Producer. Because I obviously forgot to pull up the call screen. To whom shall I speak, sir? Randall in Georgia, XM Satellite. Go, sir. How are you doing, Mr. Levin? It's good. Oh. It's really great to talk to you. How are you, buddy? Um, I, I was calling um, because I listen to your show all the time, and you're a genius. I don't, I don't want to say genius in the wrong way. I hope you don't take it the wrong way, but you're a good genius in the good way. I don't know how to take that in the wrong way. Thank you. <laughs> you're absolutely correct all the time. And um, you're doing a lot for America and for the world, I would say. And people oh. need to really, I want to first say this, um, I want to respect you and those out there listening. They, you know, need to respect your opinion and respect that you're a professional. And you know exactly what you're talking about. And you're at the platform that you're at for a reason. And that's what that's why I call because I, I'm a young male. I, I'm I'm a black American male, and um, I listen to your show a lot. And it took a Thank lot you. of nerves for me to call, but I just. No, take it easy, man. Take it easy. <laughs> yeah, but this is what I want to talk about, COVID-19. Yes, sir. Um, as a scare tactic. Yeah. Like, could it possibly be, possibly be a scare tactic? Could it possibly be, some of it may be true, but just like they had the, the black plague. I don't think it's a scare tactic. I think it's reality. I think they are using it to exploit us. I think they're using it now $1.9 trillion to feather bed the teacher unions to to distribute enormous sums of money to uh, to Democrat uh, politicians in Democrat cities and states, uh, dropping all kinds of policy stuff in there, $1.9 trillion on top of the trillions that have already spent, and they promise trillions more. Our country cannot withstand this. It cannot withstand this. And the Democrat Party is stealing money from the next generation, it's stealing money from you and me in order to strengthen the Democrat Party. None of this, well, a small percentage of this, but the vast majority of this is going to be for the Democrats. He's sitting there signing executive orders like he's uh, Benito Mussolini, Biden is, uh, and uh, he still thinks he's in his basement signing stuff. You can hand him a baseball. He'd signed a baseball. He'd think he's uh, playing center field for the Phillies or something. But anyway, he keeps signing these things. He's destroyed women's sports. He's opened the borders. He's destroyed American jobs. I can go down the line on this thing. But everything is intended to serve a part of the radical special interests of the Democrat Party. I'm not encouraging you to do this. You'll waste paper and ink. But if you print out the 150 pages of the Biden-Sanders manifesto that came out, he's literally going down that, issuing executive orders like he's a king. We have a legislature. Problem is, the legislature is now run by the Democrats. Barely so, but nonetheless, they like their king. And so, they want their king to keep doing what he's doing. They're pushing him to do it. Meanwhile, what are they doing? They're acting like a mob. That is, not a violent mob, but an unconstitutional mob, looking for ways to advance their agenda. And the agenda includes making uh, uh, unconstitutional changes to the Constitution. So we're in a very difficult period right now. And the process of that, you, you hit a fine point right there, because we, as a, 
people have to realize we're okay. There's a Democratic Party. There's there's a Republican Party. There's all types of parties, but we are a people mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And when I go outside, and no matter whether it's COVID nineteen or not, mm-hmm. I see people, mm-hmm. and I look at people for people, and and just like you, um, I look at you in the same as a guru, as a mogul, <laughs> as someone. I hope my wife's listening. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> great for America. Make America great again. And th- people have to understand when they listen to Mark, when they listen to your show, they have to understand that this is true facts. You actually see the stuff that other individuals do not get to see. This is not just entertainment. It's a form of entertainment that's healthy for your soul. Aren't you nice? Well, you've made my weekend, Randall. Hope to meet you someday there, buddy. I just want you to know one thing. Yes, sir. The worst thing that we can do as a people is work too hard, overwork. Now, a lot of people out there, you know what they say about desperation moves. If you work too hard, it makes you look desperate. Work like Mark. Work like me. You know, and... What do you do? What do you do? Great T- tell me about you. I'm I'm just a lowly recording artist. That's it. I'm not like... You're not lowly. Um, You're intelligent. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This COVID thing kind of is an irony. I hope you see the same thing I see. A lot of these sports athletes, they play unprotected with without masks, full contact, flagrant fouls. When they play, when they play like LeBron James, uh, he gets called for flagrant fouls, and now look at it and say that's full contact. That's against the COVID nineteen violations. Mm. We need to find a way to keep incorporate. COVID-19 regulations in modern-day sports. Yeah, well, uh, it's too bad Cuomo's not running the NBA. He would have shut that damn thing down a long time ago. Randall, thank you, my friend. Have a wonderful weekend. I appreciate your call very much. And, honey, I hope you're listening. I'm a guru. Did you hear that, Mr. Producer? I like Randall. Let's go to Richard Hackensack, New Jersey, the great WABC. How are you, Richard? Mark, how are you? Look, uh, I'm with you all the way. I I agree with the the fella uh, that just spoke. You you are pretty good. You're good at what you do, and and we're with you. But look, the Democrats yes, yes. are better than we are at politics. In some, no, way. they're not better I at mean, politics. They're liars. They're thieves, the way they redistribute wealth. Uh, they take uh, the advantage of this country in order to attack this country from within. Uh, they are demagogues. They're backed by the same type of people in the, uh, in, the, in the media. They own the colleges and universities. It's not that they're better than us. They, they, uh, they control these various institutionalities. Institutions, rather. It's the way they play the game, though. And Republicans go to work. They have things to do. They they have investments to look into. They they are interested in in their lives. Democrats play any kind of dirty game they can to win, and they're doing it. We. Need I, I, I want you to think about something. What do Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, let me think this, and uh, Kamala Harris have in common? None of them they're, have ever held a private sector job. None of they're them. They're creeps, yes. No, no, but you understand what I'm saying? They talk about minimum wages, how the economy works. These are 
politicians. These are bureaucrats. And so they empower government. That's all they do. And they empower their party and they empower their base. They fight for their base. This all this all this stuff they're doing isn't for the country, it's for their their permanent control. It's for the base. That's what it's for. Government is their business though. We have other things to do. I got um, it. We do have government is their business, okay? And they run it like their own freaking business. Mm-hmm. And they're winning. They're they just they just toppled my favorite guy, Donald Trump, and they're winning. They they beat us. I got it. I got it. Yes, they are. And as long as we have fools like Sass and Romney and losers like McConnell, it becomes very, very difficult. Thank you for your call. Deanna, Winchester, Virginia, the great uh, WMAL. Go right ahead, please. Hi, Mr. Levin. I just wanted to call in and thank you for the work that you're doing, getting the truth out there about what's going on. But I also wanted to mention all this talk of the teachers' unions, and um, I just want you to know that, uh, first of all, I agree with everything you say. It is true. But I do want you to know and other people to know that there are teachers who are conservative. No, I agree. I agree. I've said there's about about 35. The last survey I saw, and I forgot where I saw, about 35% of teachers, public school teachers, are Republicans. That's what I saw. And, we, and I just want, I agree, and thank you for saying that, and I just want people to know that we are not all liberals. And no, no, no. Listen, I'm talking about the union and the radicals. It's like when I talk about the FBI or talk about anything else. I can't always stop and say, but I'm not talking about uh, Linda. You know, I'm not talking about Deanna. I, I'm talking about... Everybody knows the NEA and the AFT leadership are nuts. All you have to do is go on their website and read what they say. All you have to do is listen to what they say. You can see how radical they are. You can see how radical some of the local unions are, particularly in metropolitan areas, particularly in the blue states. But the fact is, even in the county I live in, which is considered an outer suburb that's now turned Democrat, they're nuts. The union's nuts. Probably the same union as you have, the Loudoun County Education Association. Right, there? and there are. I wanted to let teachers know who aren't aware of it. There is there is an organization that you can join and get benefits. Tell me quickly. I got to go. That has what's no, the name of it? No political affiliation. What's Virginia the name? Professional educators. Say it again. Virginia professional educators. All right. Thank you very much, Deanna. We'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us. 
we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, my, my, my wife, Julie, did text me. She said, I agree, you are the guru. You're the guru of the Constitution. Current events and keen analysis... Fast food and other snackage, ketchup and Hershey's bars. <laughs> well, I guess she knows me. I guess she knows me. What was I going to say? I distracted myself. Tomorrow we're making a decision. Whether to buy a very small RV or not, Mr. Producer in America. Now, I'm not an RV driver. I've never driven an RV in my life. I can't drive these 35, 40, 45 footers, nothing like No, no, it's like 22 feet. Giving it some serious, serious thought. That way, we can get in the RV and go wherever we want, Mr. Producer. And I can still broadcast. Can you broadcast from an RV? We can do that? Well, hell now. Now we got to figure out how to do that. So I can drive anywhere. And broadcast from anywhere. The moving bunker. Can you imagine that? Anyway, we'll give that some thought. But that that I didn't know we could do. Although we do have electricity on the thing, right? That's pretty much all you need. That and the internet. All right, ladies and gentlemen. America in honor of you.
Salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and you. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Zelda, good night, Gigi. And good night, my precious Barney. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, ladies and gentlemen. I will see you right here on Monday. And good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Her birthday would be February 13th. And good night, Leo. We miss and love you all. God bless you, and be well. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.